Genesis 2, 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Matthew 11, verses 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now let's pray. Let's just take a deep breath. Just 10 seconds. Thank, thank the Father, Son, Holy Spirit for their gracious presence to us. Thank you, Lord. God, you're here, and we're here. May all the words that are spoken today and all of our thoughts that we think bring glory and, and delight to your heart. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome again. If I forgot to introduce myself, my name's Evan. Uh, my wife, Sandy, and I have the joy of leading Park Hill Church. And today, we're continuing, coming to the end, actually, of our future church series. Next week's the last one. And, and, and today, we're looking at what might be the most concrete, tangible practice in the whole series. The most measurable, really. But also, for some reason, this practice seems to be the most challenging for us to work into our way of life. But I would, I would argue it has the potential to save your life. And it is the practice of Sabbath. Sabbath. And so you could, phrase, you could frame the title of this sermon as Becoming a Community of Rest in a Culture of Exhaustion Through the Practice of Sabbath. Um, and so before we get into it, uh, given the topic, here's the plan for today. So Dave Lomas, pastor of Reality San Francisco, we're in relationship with them. He preached on Sabbath here last July. If you were here on July 4th, he gave a long, solid teaching with tons of content and biblical theology on Sabbath. And, and so we're going to be teaching light today because that teaching nailed it. And... I highly recommend you go back and listen to the podcast this week from, from July 4th. And the plan for today, I'm going to do about 18 minutes of teaching uh, right now, and then we're going to do something we've never done. We're going to have a panel discussion. Yeah. Nice reaction. Yeah. So four, so, so that's why these stools are up here. We're going to have four diverse households from our church who all practice Sabbath in different ways, uh, two married couples, two unmarried individuals, 
all practicing Sabbath, but all different, obviously. Um, and then we'll open it up. We have Slido software today, so you can actually text in your questions and upvote them and all of that. More, more info. Yeah. Oh, now you're... I see. I see what this is about. Then, then after... Then after the panel, we'll go to Holy Spirit time, like Holy Spirit come, prayer, worship, communion, and all of that. How's that sound? All right. So, just to jump right in, when I said Sabbath has the potential to save life, I wasn't exaggerating. The World Health Organization released the stats earlier this year in May. People who work 55 or more hours a week face an estimated 35% higher risk of a stroke, 17% higher risk of heart disease, compared to people following the widely accepted standard of 30 to 40 hours a week. Okay, so in our culture of hurry and busy and exhaustion, the call of Jesus is that we would become a community of rest. And there are many ways we can rest well as God's people, but at the top of that list is Remember the Sabbath. And I don't know if you know, if you remember, that's actually a command in the Bible. It's one of the 10 commandments. Uh, I mean, let's put all the commands on the screen. Just, just kind of glance through them. We're familiar with a lot of them. Let's be honest. We look at those 10 commands and for basically almost all of them, we're like, yeah, that's really good stuff to follow. Like, it's super important, and it all really matters still. Like, if someone says, hey, you know, you shouldn't be sleeping with someone else's spouse, I don't think any of us would be like, that's so Old Testament. <laughs> or like, hey, you shouldn't kill people. No one in the room would be like, the legalism. I can't believe that. That's so unwise. We don't have to live that way. Like, don't steal. Oh, I'm free in Christ, bro. That's not, that's not a law for me anymore. No one says that about the rest of the commands. But when we come to the Sabbath command, we're like, we actually are like, that's so Old Testament, right? Um, A.J. Sobota says, we, we've essentially created a culture in church of nine commandments and one really nice suggestion, Think about it. If you are openly, happily breaking any of the other commands, it's generally seen as a negative thing. Like, don't murder, don't lie, uh, or even don't badmouth your mom. Like, respect your parents. You probably would lose your job for some of them, go to jail for some of them, or at least lose relationships. But as an American Christian, if you don't keep Sabbath, you'll probably get a raise. We literally celebrate people who don't keep Sabbath in 24-7 culture, and it's it's actually killing us. So we started with the reading from Genesis 2. One of the fascinating things about the Genesis creation stories, Genesis 1 and 2, are two creation stories retelling, the, retelling God's same event. Um, the interesting thing, they weren't the only creation stories around back then. Lots of ancient cultures had their own stories of how their gods made the world. And what's interesting about the Genesis story is how it's different, uniquely. The Genesis creation story is the only one that says God does not require us to work seven days. It's the only ancient creation story that gives work dignity and makes rest sacred. All the other gods, they say humans are slaves for us. They're our slaves. In fact, that's exactly what the ancient Jews were delivered from. Pharaoh had a bunch of gods, 
and Pharaoh's values and ethics was enslave humans. Egypt, 24-7 slavery. But when God delivered the Jews from slavery, God's message was loud and clear to his new family. No, I love you. I made you so you can rest from work and then work from rest. This is who you are because you're my kids. In fact, in the Genesis story, Adam and Eve were made on day six. What does that mean? It means their very first full day, day seven, their first day as human in existence was, was, was Sabbath, it was a day of rest. God's seventh day rest was the first divine activity humans were privileged to witness and enjoy, which is actually a profound picture of the gospel, right? The gospel is not do work first and then God gives rest as a reward. No, it's you get to rest in God's work first and out of that you get to work. And then our work becomes... From there, it, it's a gracious partnership with God to fill the world with his character, truth, beauty, goodness, as opposed to just getting a paycheck so we can get around to doing what we really want to do. Biblical work is very differently framed. That's why for thousands of years, through practicing one Sabbath day a week, for thousands of years, God's people have learned in our DNA how to rest in God. And then out of that rest, we turn to the world and fill it with God's own brand of goodness through work. And it's so easy to forget this, which is why the command is remember the Sabbath. Sabbath doesn't make natural sense to us. We forget to live in God's rhythms of rest we were designed to thrive in. We've become addicted to success and performance-based living, which means we forget who we are, human beings before human doings. And it's some kind of spiritual amnesia that we suffer from. And so today I want to call our church away from the spiritual amnesia and toward remember the Sabbath. This is ultimately Jesus' invitation. It's an invitation to rest. We read from Matthew 11, Hannah read. And in that passage, Jesus doesn't say, come to me and I'll make you successful. Or come to me and I'll burden you with religion. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God's heart for you all is that you each become an expert in Jesus's rest for your life. Jesus is not at all glorified or made attractive to the world when his followers are burnt out and stressed in the exact same way everyone else is. I mean, what if you were asked to sum up your whole life in one word or one phrase? What if you're able to say, oh, my life, one word, that's easy, margin. Space, my life's just green pastures, still waters. I love the way I feel about that. Like, what would, what would your life look like if that was your answer? I don't know if you've noticed, people who are centered and restful, few things are more attractive than a person who's centered and restful. Their presence encourages you to remember, oh, I'm present. I need to be present too, because that looks really good. John Tyson says, a restful spirit is spiritual warfare in a culture of exhaustion. I love that phrase. 
We have to learn to live in the rhythm of rest, which means, you guys, we have to be honest about our current rhythms, like what's really going on with our work and rest now. So can I ask you, just to honestly answer in your own head, rhetorically, how are you doing? Like really, how are you? How's San Diego life treating you right now? Like post 2020, ramping out of COVID, roaring into 2022, figuring out the new, is, is it just, are you becoming more like Jesus because of your current rhythms? Are you looking at your life right now and going, oh yeah, I could live like this for another 30 years. Or are you like, I, I don't know how much longer I can take this. Hear Jesus' invitation, come to me and I will give you rest. And the kind of rest we're talking about today is the practice of Sabbath. Why Sabbath? Well, number one, because Sabbath is commanded in the Old Testament, which was Jesus's Bible, and he authorized it and passed it on to his disciples saying, this whole thing points to my way of living. And also, why Sabbath? Because Jesus practiced it in the New Testament, and Jesus clearly taught about Sabbath, saying ultimately, Sabbath was not made to rule us as a master, but it was made to be our gift that we delight in. And also, Sabbath has been practiced by the church throughout history. At some point within Protestantism, it turned into the Lord's Day, and it's Sabbath. It's throughout history. And then why Sabbath? Because Sabbath is still a gift. It's still a gift for you to receive right now and for the rest of your life. So the next question, what is Sabbath? What is it? I like how Pete Scazzaro defines it. The word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word that means to cease to stop working. It refers to doing nothing related to work for a 24-hour period each week. It refers to this unit of time around which we are to orient our entire lives as holy, meaning separate from the other six days of creation. Sabbath provides an additional rhythm for an entire, it's a big plane, Additional rhythm for an entire reorientation of our lives around the living God. On Sabbath, we imitate God by stopping our work and resting. Okay, so 24 hours, shut it down and rest. At this point, you might be thinking, okay, great, I got a day off. I have a day off. I'm Sabbathing, right? Not necessarily. Uh, This isn't about a, quote, day off. A day off is when exhausted, over-busied people finally get around to all the chores they miss during the week, right? It's the catch-up day. That might, that might be a day off from your paid job. There's plenty of unpaid work we're talking about there. It's not Sabbath. Sabbath is something different. Taking a weekly Sabbath day of rest to worship, feast, rest, and all of that, it's to practice God's future coming into our present. It's a weekly preview of the coming new heavens and new earth where we're all eye to eye in perfect intimacy, enjoying God's presence, not lounging around doing nothing, but actively present to one another in our community of Jesus, filling the universe with God's own brand of goodness. So we're practicing the future ahead of time on Sabbath. In a sense, Sabbath is to begin the process of God's reign now. 
Jesus' prayer, may your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sabbath is when we go, and this is what that might look like through our 24 hours. So at this point, you might be like, okay, great. How, I'm more confused. How do I start? I have a day off, but Evan, you're saying a day off doesn't necessarily mean Sabbath. So how do I do it? We're gonna hear, that's actually why the panel is gonna come up in a few minutes. Um, but I, I just wanna get the ball rolling with four quick little pointers from a theologian, Marva Dawn. She breaks down the practice of Sabbath very simply. I think this is very helpful. It was for me. It's ceasing, resting, embracing, and feasting. So a quick word on each. Number one, ceasing. Again, I love Pete Scazzaro. When a dude from New York City talks about Sabbath, the busiest city in America or whatever, maybe the world, like, you, it's mad respect if he's like Sabbathing well. So Pete Scazzaro from New York, he, ceasing, he, he talks about it like this. Sabbath is first and foremost a day when we cease all work, paid and unpaid. On the Sabbath, we embrace our limits. We let go of the illusion that we are indispensable to the running of the world. We recognize we'll never finish all our goals and projects and that God is on the throne, managing quite well and ruling the universe without our help. The ceasing is literally saying, physically saying, okay, I'm not, I'm not gonna take that call. No, I'm just not. Or, or I'm not gonna open a single social media app for 24 hours. It's creating intentional boundaries that say, God, you, not me, you are the sovereign ruler of my life and the rest of the world. The world will run without me because you're in charge and you're very capable and you, you actually uphold everything. So I'm cool not checking my email for 24 hours. Everything will be fine. And, and trust me, like I'm, you know, as a lead pastor, there's a lot of things to be thinking about and uh, people to connect with, ongoing conversations, open agenda items and projects, and that's just like Monday, okay? So I get it. There's, and there's really no stopping all of that. But for me, there has to be an intentional weekly stop everything moment. Otherwise, you guys, everything will stop for me in a painful and ugly way. So the reality is, whether you intentionally stop for Sabbath or you never Sabbath and unintentionally stop and die, either way, Sabbath is coming for you. You will, you will rest in peace one way or another. So, so to enter Sabbath means, number one, cease. Number one, cease so that you can truly enter number two, rest. Quick word on rest. Again, Scazzaro's nailing it now. Once we stop and cease, we accept God's invitation to rest. God rested after his work of creation. Every seventh day, we're to do the same. We engage in activities that restore and replenish us from napping, hiking, reading, eating food to enjoying hobbies and playing sports. Keywords: restore and replenish. Our problem is we know how to relax. We're great at relaxing, but not how to replenish. We can't tell the difference anymore. It's so easy to become lazy at resting. Binging Netflix by yourself over takeout is super relaxing. It will not restore your soul. What activities truly refill you? Think about it, imagine, just envision, you're doing the thing that you love, 
that afterwards you're like, I'm a, I'm a better version of myself. For me, if I'm sitting on my back deck with a good book and a great beverage or taking a long walk with Sandy and the kids through our neighborhood or hiking through mission trails with my friends, in that moment, you can bet I'm as close to God as ever, present and resting in the moment that I'm in. Jesus' rest means renewal, not just relaxation. And we're designed to need this kind of rest. It's not optional. Marva Dawn, she says, failing to rest after six days of steady work will lead to insomnia or sleepiness, hormonal imbalances, fatigue, irritability, organ stress, and other increasingly serious physical and mental symptoms. So Jesus invites us today to step into a rhythm of ceasing from work deliberate rest that is not just relaxing, but fully whole person renewing so that we can, number three, embrace. Cease, rest, embrace. Sabbath is a scheduled weekly reminder. Life is not about what you do. Rather, life is about who you are loved by. There's no better example of that than John, right? John the Apostle in the New Testament? What did John call himself as he wrote his gospel, the Gospel of John? How did he refer to himself? The disciple who? Yes, he's like, he never uses his name. His identity is, oh, I'm the disciple Jesus loves. That's how he refers to himself. How did he get there? Well, at the end of John's gospel, in the middle, about chapter 13, we see John leaning back into Jesus' chest in embrace and, and just sharing a meal in that intimate place. This is why John was transformed from a son of thunder to a disciple of love. To remember the Sabbath day is to stop and rest in order to embrace God and your community in loving eye contact intimacy to make that intentional connection so that as God's kids, we'd become the kind of people who replace all of our primary, what we think are our primary identities with the truest identity of all of God's kids, which is beloved son, beloved daughter. We replace, we, we actually reorient our identity and discover new levels of security and peace as we make the choice to weekly center ourselves in our community and in the love of God. So we cease in order to rest and to embrace and finally, uh, feast. I like that one. Feasting's fun. And this is about when we're gonna bring up the panel. So one, one line or two on feasting. It's not just, don't think, don't think a really cool charcuterie spread. Like, you know, that's, that's part of it. But think of the invitations that go out before the charcuterie evening. And, and think of what you have to do the night before in order to prep the room and make it a moment for people. Um, there's, there's beauty, there's music, there's food, there's affection. There's a plan for social intimacy. There's a plan for it. Whether you're married or unmarried, there's a plan for it. Which, which leads us to the panel discussion. I'm gonna invite... Um, the panelists, let's, let's hear for all of them. They're from your own church, guys. There they are. 
Yeah. So just, just to get introductions done as they're walking forward. So, uh, you know, Sandy Wickham there, my bride, she will represent the Wickham household along with me. Uh, so we're married in full-time ministry with kids. And then we have Eric and Stacy Armstrong. They are also married with kids, but not remotely like in like church pastoral, full-time paid by a church. They're marketplace folks. They have full schedules and two jobs and four kids and they're Sabbathing. And, um, and then we have Nate Heflin, who uh, we just brought on to help out with AV and tech stuff here. And he has, he's spinning all kinds of plates, college, finishing up college schedule, five classes or something, plus a job, about to add a full-time job to this part-time one, unmarried. Uh, and then Ariel, full-time pastor here at Park Hill, uh, pastoring Park Hill kids and the families of the kids. And she has, is juggling all kinds of relationships and responsibilities and yet Sabbathing well, I believe. And so um, we have Slido here. So if you want to, any, anything I've said in the teaching that sparked a question or anything you want to ask the panelists, you can do it by scanning the code, typing in the website, all that. And then I will moderate and make them visible. And then you get to upvote them, which is kind of fun. So let's just, let's just rest for 20 seconds while I get situated. Oh, thanks. So Look at you. Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, y'all can get situated on Slido too. Oh, there are so many questions from the last gathering. I don't know what the new ones are. How would I know that? Oh, I can see by the timestamps. Great. I'm just gonna kill those. Yeah, I've never done this. We've never done Slido, this new format, and, and these guys have never done this either. So uh, let's give another Grace applause or something. Um, there we go. All right. There we go. Uh, dismissing. Okay, so I am going to start just with one set question for all the panelists. We've heard a little bit about Sabbath, tons more to talk about. I know some of you like theology Bible nerds like me are like, well, what about, how does the new covenant replace the old? And I thought Sabbath wasn't a, a, a law for Christians. We can do that. I can like, we can talk about that very briefly, but this is more, how does this look practically? How, how, are, we're, we're spinning all kinds of directions and um, this sounds good, like in theory, but what if I'm unmarried? Uh, what if I'm married and I have two jobs and I have work demands on all seven weekdays in some ways? So all of these questions, the practical ones, is kind of where we're shooting for. But don't hesitate to ask anything you want. I have the power to silence certain questions if, if they're too far off the map. Um, I didn't say that to the last gathering. You guys get behind the curtain. Just kidding. But So I'm, I'm going to ask, I'm gonna ask this, this question just to start. So Sandy, we'll go from left to right. How, how long have you been practicing Sabbath? Well, <laughs> um, we are about to celebrate 21 years of marriage in a couple weeks. 
pretty exciting. We always had a day off, but I would say maybe in the last six years, we switched over and it became a Sabbath versus a day off, which is very different for us. Uh, for me, I would say two and a half-ish years uh, of trying to, two and a half-ish years of calling it Sabbath. I wouldn't say that successfully doing it uh, as a Sabbath, but I'm going to still claim it. <laughs> um, I would say for me, it's been a little over a year. So I started last year and been, um, yeah, integrating it into my role of life. For us, we've done it off and on four to five years, but really we've been consistent with it for the last year and a half. Very good. I'm super overwhelmed by all these questions. There's so many. Um, so, so very great. And, and just kind of just as quickly, we can, we can say what, what circumstances led you to start? Was it um, maybe information, maybe, you, maybe, maybe theological, or maybe it was actually like a crisis of some kind that led you to reorient your schedule around the practice of Sabbath? What led you to practice Sabbath from left to right again? Um, like I said, we always had a day off, which we usually fought pretty often because we both came into that day with our own expectations. For us personally, it kind of felt like we were self-focused. And um, so then we met John Mark Comer, and um, he started sharing about his Sabbath. And I was like, oh, that's different. And uh, so, yeah, so we started changing things up and started focusing on each other versus like my honey-do list and him playing video games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> real, real talk. <laughs> I feel like you had more. <laughs> no, I needed to filter it. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Uh, gosh, for me, uh, God kind of like put me in a group of people who care a lot about Sabbath. And so as they were talking about just how it plays out in their own lives, I was like, huh, that's not a thing that I do. Maybe I should consider it. Um, so just from, yeah, people I've been around. Uh, for me, it was more life circumstance that led me to asking more questions. Um, I reached a point of burnout for myself personally. And uh, that led me into reading books like Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and then uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which is also John Mark Comer. Um, and so it made me want to go in and ask, what do I need to change? And so I think the biggest part for me was like, how do I change? And that mm. led to Sabbath. That's great. Um, for us, we also were at John Mark Comer's church and we're learning, a, like it felt like a new theological information, like, oh, this is something we're supposed to practice. And so I think we, it was new information to us. We tried to kind of incorporate it and then really kind of made it an actual practice about a, a year and a half ago. Um, but yeah, I think it was just through teaching in church that we realized this is something that needs to be in our spirituality as well. Yeah. Excellent. So I think I have a question here that might just kill a bunch of the questions with one question, and that is, walk us through your typical Sabbath day. If you can do just bullet for bullet points, um, what does it look like? How do you prep? How do you start? What's the, what's the content? How do you finish? Well, our Sabbath starts Friday morning and ends Saturday morning with uh, pancakes. But Thursday, we are prepping 
for Sabbath. And that's super important for to create that environment of peace and rest. I have to go to the grocery store and get the stuff to make um, a great Sabbath with my family. Um, so yeah, so we wake up and we're pretty, uh, you know, I don't know, we just kind of roll around, it seems. <laughs> we don't really have any big plans. Um, but Friday night, um, we do a family movie night, which our kids all love. And it's a great adventure to find a movie that fits for a 19-year-old and a 6-year-old. It's a challenge. But we do it, and it's uh, loads of fun. And then Saturday morning, we have uh, pancakes that Evan makes every Saturday morning. Yeah. <laughs> <Thanks>. Well done. <laughs> Walk us through your typical Yeah, yeah, Sabbath. yeah. Okay, I got, I'm with you. I'm with you. I just, I went somewhere else for a second. <laughs> Um, okay, yeah, so my Sabbath is also on Fridays, um, so it's definitely like making sure on Thursday I kind of get those things done that'll help prepare for Sabbath, kind of accomplishing those tasks, running errands, things like that. And then Friday, I personally like to go into it without a plan. Um, I really enjoy just like sleeping in and then waking up and you're like, oh, what do I feel like doing? All right, we're doing that. And sometimes, uh, sometimes it's a pedicure. Sometimes it's, I love watching movies, watch movies, whatever it is that uh, I just kind of feel like doing that way, but that day, but definitely trying to stay in that mindset of uh, intentional rest and what I'm doing and seeing God in all of it. Um, I think for me, it's starting kind of similarly uh, by shutting off devices, so my phone or anything else, even for me, TV, I just want to be, I'm usually around that stuff all week, especially with Zoom classes and all that online, so I'm like, I need rest from a screen, <laughs> um, and so for me, I want to shut off my device, and then um, just like Ariel, like, I don't want to go into it with a plan, I want to be able to be flexible, because I'm usually mm. such a planner as it is, that I... Mm already plan projects throughout the week. I don't need another thing to plan. I, like I wanna plan so that way I can rest well, but I don't wanna plan out the whole day that it needs to be a schedule for me to meet. Um, so usually it, it's always curveball. It could be hiking. It could be, um, last year I did a lot of hiking. And then um, napping is another one that I yes. truly enjoy. Um, and I would say I usually end up at a coffee shop at some point, sitting outside watching people walk by. Yeah. And I literally am simple like that to where I enjoy it. So. Yeah, I would, that's, so as a mid-20s college full load guy, um, that's the number one question right now. If 20 people want to hear, maybe you can add a dynamic, mm. like what should Sabbath look like for a college student? Um, and there's other questions like, what if you have a paper due the next day? Yeah. That's a, a question down the list a little bit. I would say don't procrastinate. Um, Preparation, just yeah. as much as Sandy needs to go to the store and make sure there's food for the family, I need to make sure that my stuff is done so I intentionally can enjoy my day off. And not just a day off, but a day of rest. Um, and I know that's hard to do. That's very difficult to do, especially with somebody like me. Um, and so I think um, Sabbath for the college student is prep. And then also saying... I can get what I need to get done and it will be okay. Um, you wanna do things excellently and well, 
at the same time, your emotional health is very important. Yeah. Um, how you rest is very critical to how you live out the rest of your week coming up for all the other things that you have to do. So taking that intentional time to really pour into that is what's really gonna build you up for success for the rest of the week that you have coming up. So, yeah. All right, yeah, ours is uh, Saturday dinner to Sunday dinner. So that requires a lot of prep on Saturday as well, getting the house chores done, cleaning it up, doing grocery shopping, whatever's necessary so that we don't have to think about those things on Sunday. Um, oftentimes, what that means too is prioritizing what's gonna get done because not everything is gonna happen in our family. And so what's the most important critical thing that needs to get done so that we can um, be able to rest on Sunday? It's not gonna be everything but that's the, the sacrifice that we make to take that time uh, apart. So we start by lighting a candle at dinner. We read a passage of scripture with the kids, four kids, four young kids, and we discuss that. We have a, a nice meal, and then the next morning we go to church. We have community group right after church, so usually we meet um, during the second service over at Liberty Station, and uh, we have our community. The And then we end Sabbath with, um, we have... Uh, fire pit at our house for neighbors and invite them over and um, just hang out in our front yard but the time between community group and fire pit is um, is is tricky for us it's more fluid that's what do you do to rest to restore yourself I think that's where we find a challenge for our families we all restore in different ways so there's a compromise there and that's always challenging with a large family but um, but that's what our Sabbath looks like wonderful um, it's you, you've like you light a lot of fires on Sabbath. <laughs> so good. Start. Yeah, that's like that's like the old that's the old way. You start with fire, candle, or a bonfire, and you end with a bonfire. Um, so fun. I love it. I want to do that. Um, yeah, we should. So uh, this is a good question. Whoever wants to respond to this, we can turn to the top of the Slido. What is? How do you tell the difference? I talked about relaxing versus restorative stuff like you know and I, I did the low-hanging fruit thing with Netflix that's obviously uh, but what but how much movie we've talked we've all also talked about movies mm -hmm. so how would any of you speak to like what is the primary way to determine mm -hmm. if an, activi an activity isn't re 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 restorative but like indulgent and not life-giving how do you tell uh, I would say for me it's answering two questions is it rest and is it worship mm -hmm. um, I think that's something that I heard from John Mark Comer, and so that's something that I've had to chew on and reflect on. Again, I'm not perfect at it, and so it's always a tangle up of trying to answer those questions. If it's something that you're borderline with, save it, because you have six other days to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, what's gonna restore you? I think that's what we're kind of coming back to. Yeah. yeah. Do you have anything on that? That's great. You're gonna say rest and worship. Oh. Yeah, that's great. Um, that, that's a quick and easy answer. What, yeah, what does resting look like when you feel like other factors are f just forcing work? And, and every week it's like, I can't get out of this. Every week it's that cycle. That's tough. <laughs> I, th I think maybe f figuring out where you can let it go, you know, like um, you can't do all the things you like, Eric was saying, like, you can't do all the laundry, you can't do all the house chores, you can't do all the things, and so just accepting that you just have to let go some of that and, like, trust the Lord that 
he will fill that up and that'll get done. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah. It's good. I think so many things come back to just our mindset. Um, this is kind of an answer to the last question and this one maybe, but um, yeah, there's just, there's no shortage of tasks that need to be accomplished. Like um, yeah. Stacy's saying, there's just, the list is never gonna be completely done, but do I trust that God is sovereign? That <laughs> whoever, I don't remember who you quoted earlier, but just like the world spins without my help. Like there's so many things that God can and will do um, but he also cares about me as a person and my long-term health. So can I let go of those things for 24 hours or whatever it is that you can commit to and remember those things that are true about God and true about how he thinks um, about me? Yeah, so good. And uh, to continue with Nate and Ariel, for the unmarried peeps, <laughs> how... How do you, and, and this is one I was, this is like the one question that actually says that. Um, this is a really, this has potential to prophetically, to prophetically overturn so many norms that, that have caused people to feel alone and not belonging and second rate in church. We tend, when we talk about Sabbath, we meaning pastors, because we normally hear about Sabbath, unless you're in a synagogue, you'll hear it from a pastor or a rabbi or whatever. And it's normally married dudes. So um, single folks feel like, wait, all the, all the Sabbath analogies are the guy with his wife and kids. And I just don't have a vision for my life when it comes to a community of intimacy, of diversity that is married and unmarried. So for unmarried people, which is, I would venture to guess, is the lion's share of this church and many churches and cities who are unmarried for various reasons, whether widowed, divorced, or never married. Um, and all the community, like think of the LGBTQ community who, when following Jesus, realized that that call is a radical call to either celibacy or marrying someone that you're not primarily attracted to out of obedience to Jesus. So, so but then you talk about Sabbath and how it's life-giving and how my kids are all around the table. It's like, well, there's so many lived experiences in the room. And I think the unmarried people have a prophetic voice in this conversation uh, to create an awakening for all of us who tend to think nuclearly, um, so, which is beautiful. Obviously, God designed society to be built on procreation and nuclear family and Sabbath together, husbands and wives. But what about the unmarried? So... For the unmarried people, how do you make sure Sabbath isn't just like, gets mixed up with the other practice of silence and solitude? They're different. Um, well, would you speak to that? Maybe even with a word for the marrieds. Um, yeah, first of all, same. <laughs> it is, it's interesting to enter into Sabbath. Um, while some of those feelings exist all of the time, there is something specifically about like this day where you're intentionally removing some of the noise where it, that silence and that, um, that loneliness is louder. Um, so it can be very challenging and very hard not to, uh, I tend to go inward and just, <laughs> uh, while I do enjoy movies, I enjoy all of my streaming services, I also use that to distract from that loneliness sometimes. And so again, back to like that mindset, am I 
trying to escape from what I'm feeling right now or is this something that I'm just trying to enjoy? So like trying to juggle all of those feelings. Um, but yeah, it's hard in that reality is that um, sometimes that is what God's calling you to so that you will allow him to fill that space. And sometimes, um, gosh, I think he cares a lot about community. He cares a lot about who we surround ourselves with. Um, and so being brave enough to say what you need and to um, call on those people around you. And you're like, hey, today I need to sit with you. Um, whatever it is, like nothing's too small, nothing's too large, but just making sure that you have people in your life that you can be honest with and say what you need, I think is huge. Um, yeah. I would agree 100% with that. Um, I think the people around you, especially the church body, um, are vital to, in a lot of ways, to your spiritual growth. Um, they're vital because they're your community. Um, and I think, for me personally, I think I'm being a burden when I'm talking about maybe something I'm feeling or something that I may need and I never express it because I don't want to overbear somebody with my problems or even my presence. Um, so I think that more than ever, it's amazing when you have a group of people um, come around you, especially if you are a part of a community group, get plugged into that. Um, because that's what's going to help you in the long run, especially when you feel like you're on your own when you're not. Oh, um, yeah. And so being plugged in in that way is phenomenal because you can reach out to them and they're there. I know my community group, I'm part of uh, Jake's community group, and they meet so consistently in so many ways outside of Sabbath and even on Sabbath. So I would, yeah, it feels like they're always, there is something going on. So get plugged in in that. Yeah. So... That's thank you for speaking from your own uh, really uh, t testament of loneliness and how Jesus meets you there. I think you guys were really easy on the married couples in your responses. I would love to invite you. What would you say to the married folks as unmarried people um, called and designed to by God equally to thrive in community? when it comes to Sabbath or when it comes to intimacy, what would you say to married folks? Um, again, I, I, just, I, just get, I just feel like this is a potentially prophetic moment and I, I, I wanna invite all married couples to imagine what it would look like to live where Jesus, where Jesus says, who are my mother and my brothers? Who are they? When his, when his household, his biological household was at the door, He's like, who are my mother and my brothers? It's the, and he, I imagine him waving his hand and just being like, uh, these who obey my father, yeah. who follow the will of my father. This is my, this is my family. Um, not that they're not. He was making a, a new creation statement. Without demoting nuclear family, he was elevating, like scandalously elevating. Uh, chosen family, really. Unmarried uh, as so I would love for you to speak to that. Uh, what would you say to the married couples? Like if you could say something, you know, what would you want them to hear? Yeah, yeah there's, um, there's a verse in Psalm that says God puts the lonely in families. Um, and so that reality is the church 
uh, actually being that family. God is so kind that he's created a family for himself, and we are that family. Um, and it requires us being aware and doing and being available to one another. So for, um, gosh, the married couples and the families, if you don't have those single people, those unmarried people in your life, if they're not in your circle, I would ask yourself why. Um, and just as a, a reminder, we all have something to offer. We're, there's so much value in each of us. God has uniquely gifted each of us. And so there is something that can be offered to you, a perspective that maybe you've forgotten or a way of thinking that you just haven't considered that um, is brought in when we surround ourselves with people who are not like us. Um, so it's, it's very beautiful. God's like so intentional that he's like, no, this is what I want you to do. And there's so much growth and so much that I think he wants to say to us that um, only happens when we all get together and Come on. embrace so those differences. Diversity is hard. It's much easier to surround ourselves with people who are like us, but diversity is a good thing. So good. So good, Ariel. This is, by the way, you guys, this is why, this is why we have never really had, and nothing against this, nothing against churches who do this. I think it takes all kinds of churches to reach a city. But we, from the beginning, chose not to have community groups that are affinity-based, like single moms group or uh, young adults community or volleyball on the beach, 28 to 31 year old community or whatever. <laughs> We've never done that. Uh, and the, the reason is exactly what Ariel just articulated. Um, God puts the lonely in families and the who's missing at the table question applies to all of us all the time. Um, so uh, for the married, let's, let's go the other direction. So for the married couples, do you Sabbath together or is, or is there an individual component to it? I imagine every marriage is different. What do you guys do? We are all together all the time. <laughs> no, um, I, think, I think there's a, we generally are family time, so it's all of us together. But I do think there's some times where we're like, okay, I really need a nap on the Sabbath, and we will offer that to the other, or like I really need to le like read a book, or I have to go to the beach. And so sometimes we'll set aside an hour or something like that in the afternoon to really like just make sure that we're getting what we need. But in general, we're kind of together and like decide as a family and are with our kids. But we do try to just acknowledge that if we didn't have kids, our Sabbath would look much different and might fill our soul in different ways. So I think we do try to find little ways that we can support each other in that. Yeah, I would just add that um, and part of it is trying to be intentional to be together too. So we share a couple meals together as an entire family. We try to play a game together with the kids that everybody's gonna participate in and that's by design. So we're spending time uh, intentionally with each other during that time. That's good. And uh, I'll direct this to Sandy. How in the world do you rest with having kids? <laughs> Who? I got no words. Um, who? I think just taking the moments. Um, there are more moments than you realize, I think. I feel like 
you, I would be a part, I would be one of these voices as a young mom with a baby and just being like, I have no time to read my Bible. And these were things that we all just say, but if we really stopped and thought about it, we actually do have more moments than we realize. Um, and I just think being intentional with those moments. So good. Um, there's a bunch of questions that are related, and this is one of them. I don't feel tired. I don't feel a need to Sabbath. Would rather work on goals and ambitions. Thoughts? And then there's another, there's another one that's like, um, and, and, and I would put all these questions in like Sabbath descent, the, the Sabbath detractors budget, uh, bucket. And so if you're sticking, like, there's one over on the other side, which you can't see. If you're sticking with obeying the Sabbath, why don't you keep it on Saturday like the Old Testament? So there's, like, these pushback-type questions. And the big one, I think, down here that, that has a couple votes, I'll just upvote it because it's all related. Um, do you see that? How do you interpret Colossians 2, 16 through 17, in light of your teaching? And, and Colossians 2, 16 and 17, is like Paul is making this argument for the ultimate supremacy of Christ. And, and he's like, Jesus is better than Sabbath, is what Paul's saying. And uh, Jesus is better than demons and angels and creation. Jesus is best, the best, and he's better than Sabbath. So Paul says, let no one judge you whether you keep which day, he says. And so, um, and that's kind of related to like, I don't feel like I need it. Um, however you get at the question of like, dissenting against Sabbath, I, I would simply respond, you know, another way of dissenting is like, you know, what about legalism? Isn't this legalism? And I, I would respond like, like, yeah, you can, you can be legalistic about literally anything. The Pharisees prove there's a way to do religion that is destructive, right? And so the response is, so don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do religion legalistically. Uh, don't practice Sabbath to earn God's favor. That's not what it's for. It's not, it's, you are not made to serve Sabbath. Sabbath is, Sabbath is made to serve you as you serve God and delight. Uh, practice Sabbath because you already have God's favor. It's not law-based. And so the Colossians 2.16 question, I thought you're not supposed to judge anyone who doesn't do the right day. Uh, I would apply that to, well, why don't you do it on Saturday like the Jews? do. Right? I mean, that's, that's literally which day do you celebrate? That's the debate Paul was referring to. Uh, Colossians 2.16 doesn't say Sabbath is unhelpful. I know, I, I, uh, so I would, res I would respond by saying, you're right. You are free not to do Sabbath at your own peril. I would say you are absolutely free to not rest or worship for a day at, at the expense of your soul. Absolutely, 100%. So uh, you're still a you know, Christian. It's not about God loving you more. It's about you knowing how loved you are with a marked day on the schedule. Our kids orient their week. My six-year-old, when, when I told him that today the grown-ups are talking about Sabbath, he, he lit up yesterday over pancakes or whatever, he lit up, he's like, and he goes, ah. Like he like, he couldn't believe, you can talk about Sabbath with the grown-ups? 
He's like, ah, I might not. He was so pumped and wanted to be with the grown-ups for the first time in his six-year-old life. <laughs> that's called, that's delight. And, and, and so that's the goal of Sabbath. Um, yeah. So, um, I think just to that, answer that question just about, like, I resonate so much with uh, what if you're not tired? What if, like, there's other things that are just, like, they seemingly more important? Like, I am a person who I, I veer towards being a workaholic if I don't watch myself and I genuinely love my job. So it's just like, oh, like, yeah, I'm like resting, like I'm sitting, I'm chilling, I'm watching a movie, but my computer's right there. I could also do this. Like, that's me. <laughs> that's the war inside of me. And so like still just pausing and stepping back and in obedience saying, God, I'm going to be faithful, even though actually if I were had it my way, I'd feel much better if I could accomplish these tasks. I would uh, be able to rest better if I knew that this was complete. But uh, you've asked me to pause and to do this instead. So just out of faithfulness and obedience, giving that up, um, is, it's been healthy for me. Mm. So good. You guys... What a gift you guys are right now in this moment uh, to our church, and I thank you for speaking to all of us. I wanna close with just one question, um, and we'll go from left to right. How has Sabbath helped you become more like Jesus? How have you seen the fruit of the Spirit in your life? That's another way of asking uh, this question. What's, what's the fruit and the blessing? Um. I feel like the blessing is that our kids actually love this day. They look forward to it. And this is not a day that we made up as being like awesome parents. This is a day that God created. And I want my kids to remember that when they get older and go, you know, we had this day that was super fun. And my parents paid attention to me and God made that for us. And so that is the biggest blessing to me. Um, for me, it just helps me to be more aware of just, um, reminded of how much God cares about me, um, because I, I tend to not do a good job of caring for myself. Um, I tend to think outward, which is great, um, but I forget to think inward and to do the things that um, God's calling me to to care for myself. So it's this intentional move to just to remind myself on a weekly basis that God cares about every aspect, every detail of my life, including how um, those working towards those long-term lasting things, which I think Sabbath does. I think for me, it's given me like a key to a lock that I've been trying to open for so long. Um, mm. I think for me, it's like, I've always wanted to know like an answer to how I can slow down or how I can be more in the moment. And I feel like this enables that. Um, it also allows me to um, sit, not just sit in feelings, but to reflect, um, to be able to slow down in that way. Um, an example of that, my father just passed away this past summer. And so through this process of Sabbathing, it's been very difficult, very hard, but also it's been it ha it's allowed me to not be able to cover my emotion with work. 
it's allowed me to actually be able to see it for what it is and to really bring that before God in ways that um, maybe I've never been able to before. Um, and so that is still a practice that I'm integrating myself with. It is still becoming familiar. It is still um, something that I'm engraving into who I am. Yeah. And again, just to come back to the college um, students in the room, mm -hmm. if you feel like you can't give a 24-hour day, yeah. it's okay. Start somewhere. Yeah. Um, you're not perfect. You're not going to meet all the marks. You're not going to cross all the boxes. Mm -hmm. But start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And when you start somewhere build on top of that and you'll see the fruit of it through time and enjoy what you've been created to enjoy and that's everything that's in front of you around you and so yeah I think that's for me something that I've been really trying to saturate myself into yeah um I think for me it's a good kind of just reset and it's a good reset to the Lord and to my family and to not have to have my to-do list and not be in charge. <laughs> and so um, I think it, the practice is helping shape me, even though sometimes I want it to be like some like connection with God that's so grand or whatever. It's not always. It's, it's just a reset and a practice and something that is reminding me as I go into my week of like I'm not in charge. <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah. Yeah, and the discipline and practice of it is just reminding me, who am I worshiping? Am I worshiping God or am I worshiping other things? One thing I forgot to mention about our Sabbath, that was a question up there, is what's the hardest thing to turn off? We power down all of our devices. There's no TV, media, all of that stuff. We take a break from that during Sabbath. That's the hardest thing. That's, tip, that's a huge temptation. So many things come out of that. But this is a reminder of I'm not worshiping anything that comes out of that, but I'm worshiping the Creator God. So. Thank you, guys. My gosh, what a joy. So, yeah, well done. So, uh, just enriching to interact in this way. Um, was that was that good? For, was that okay for you guys? Like with the. So, hopefully, you hear the big picture. Jesus invites you to take on His way of of living that He called life to the fullest. Um, ever since the first people of God heard God's voice on Mount Sinai, he heard, they, heard, they heard this declared over them. Do you have the last slide? Um, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then, and then God's people were born, released into the world as a nation. And here we are and God doesn't change and God's inviting us the same thing. Remember, the Sabbath is just one way. It's a big way. But ultimately, the goal is that we take on Jesus' heartbeat. Like John the Apostle leaned back into Jesus' chest, so he probably matched his even cortisol levels. He was right there against Jesus' heartbeat. So... Uh, yeah, Drew's gonna sing a song with the band. You guys, thanks for leading us. And, and we're just gonna stand now and just, again, just take a deep breath. Recognize the presence of God here. He's with us. And we're gonna just close very simply. Not a lot of time. We're not gonna linger too long. We're just gonna come to the table. <sighs> the same table where John the apostle was leaning back on Jesus' chest. 
And Jesus said, this is my body and this is my blood in intimacy with his spiritual family. And we're a spiritual family and Jesus is here. So feel free during this song to come forward, grab a little package of the wafer and juice thing and bring it back to your seat during the song, hold on to it. And then we're all gonna eat and drink together. And then we'll go about our week. The, the call this week is that we practice a Sabbath. That's the call. Uh, talk about it in community. Talk about it outside your community or if you don't have one. What would it look like to take a day every week for the rest of your life? Heavenly Father, would you now breathe on us your Holy Spirit, show us the love of Jesus through his bread and cup, his body and blood. Thank you for choosing to be present to us in this moment. In Jesus' name.